Welcome to the Damascus Road Podcast. On the road to Damascus, Paul had a radical encounter with Jesus and his life was changed forever. That is what we hope and pray for here. Now, on to this week's episode. My name is Devin and I love to sing. I sing all the time, probably 20 times more than normal people do. I love to sing at in choirs, in church, at open mic nights, in the shower, when I'm working. Any chance I get to sing, I'm gonna sing. When I was a kid, my teachers would send home notes saying, Devin has such a sweet voice, but please remind her not to sing during class. Unsurprisingly, I didn't stop. My teachers, roommates, and employers have been complaining about my nonstop singing ever since. Singing is one of the very few things that I'm naturally good at. I've been singing since I was small and learning how to improve ever since. I was a part of different choirs throughout high school and college, and all of them taught me how the voice is an instrument that can be manipulated to do amazing things. It's the most limitless instrument, and each person's voice has its own special capabilities. At the beginning of each semester, our choirs would have four or five conductors with very different songs in mind, and all of them would look at us with joy and anticipation because they knew within 15 weeks they could use our choir to make the beautiful music they were thinking of in their heads. And when we finally finished the piece at the end of the semester and got to share it with an audience, we would feel so proud, like we had just made something magic and meticulously wonderful. I still feel that way whenever I get the chance to sing. It makes me feel capable of making something grand and interesting and authentic. I even feel more comfortable singing than I do talking because when I'm singing, I feel the most like myself. I feel like my best self. I know that not everyone loves music as much as I do and singing is definitely way more enjoyable if you're good at it but I still think there's something inherently wonderful about music. And I'm not the only one who thinks that music is magic. There's a lot of science to back up the beneficial properties of music. Music improves your mood, especially when you sing with a group of people. Music helps us to remember experiences vividly and remember things we wouldn't remember otherwise. Music helps us to mourn and celebrate and feel all of our emotions. And because of that, it's a, it has healing properties and can be used for our emotional well-being. It makes us more productive. It makes us happier. It even improves our immune systems. It's so amazing. And no one really knows why. Why do a series of sound waves make us so happy? Why do we have music at all? And why do we worship? Why exactly music is so cool, I'm not sure of, but I don't think it's a coincidence that the God who created music um, made worship one of the main parts of our relationship with him. God created us to love music, and that's because we are made in his image. In the book of Zephaniah, we read, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God himself loves music and rejoices in song. Music is a part of who God is, and it's a part of who we are too. How we choose to embrace it has the potential to help us understand our creator and the universe he made. 
Music is also wonderful because it's not just a physical or emotional experience. It's a spiritual experience. It taps into a part of us that is usually ignored or misunderstood. It flows into and out of our souls. There's a reason people are so in love with concerts and live music. Even people who aren't religious feel the spiritual electricity in a room full of people singing the same songs and feeling the same emotions. It's because when we sing, we communicate more than words can. We can show how we feel deep in our souls. I think we've all experienced this kind of beauty in music and hopefully have gotten to experience it through worship at church. But even though most of us worship together, we don't usually talk about worship or why we do it. Worship comes in many forms. Most of us know it as singing and praying at church. We probably grew up in church seeing people singing and clapping and raising their hands. And at some point we started doing it too. Our community and American culture in general has norms on what worship looks like, but there isn't just one way to do it. Different faith communities have very different worship traditions. Some believe in banning instruments from their services because they're a distraction. Some have huge bands and worship services that go on for hours with lights and fog machines. Some sing old songs from hymn books in the back of the pews, and others make up their own songs. The tradition of music and prayer in church is a rich one that is constantly changing. How I worship has largely been influenced by other people. Sunday school teachers, friends, worship leaders, even the little ones at DR Kids have taught me how to worship. Growing up in a Pentecostal denomination, my church would have very long worship services. Since both my parents were on the worship team, I would sit with an older woman in our church named Bonnie. Bonnie loved to worship. I thought she sang so beautifully and she was so serious in her worship that I wanted to sing just like her. I would copy every word she said, even when she was just praying in between songs, which she teased me for. I didn't really know what I was doing. I could just tell that Bonnie had something special in her worship and I wanted that too. It was like she was having an unearthly experience that was full of emotion and love and God himself. But even though I said all the same words, worship didn't work like a magic spell the way my little brain thought it would. Even though I didn't, even though I had been singing my whole life, that music didn't affect my relationship with God until I was much older. It took a long time for me to know what it means to worship with my soul. Maybe you've been there before, or maybe you still are there. Maybe you want to know what authentic worship looks like, but you don't know where to start. Maybe you feel comfortable with worship, but you want to go deeper. Or maybe worship has been difficult for you recently, and you need a new song to sing. So let's go on a journey together to find new songs for our souls. There's a lot we can learn from the Bible about worship, and that's exactly what we're doing in this series. We're diving deep on four songs in the Bible that showcase different forms of worship. And today we're talking about Hannah's song. We meet Hannah in the Bible at the beginning of 1 Samuel. This was when Israel was coming out of the time of judges and into the era of kings. And Hannah's family was at the center of that change. Hannah was married to Elkanah, who had another wife named Penina. Penina had many children, but Hannah was barren. Every year when the family would make sacrifices and give things to God, 
Elkanah would give gifts of meat from the sacrifices to Penina and her children, and then he would give Hannah a double portion because he loved her. But when Penina saw this, she would tease and torment Hannah until she wept. Penina abused Hannah because she was obviously very jealous that her husband loved Hannah more than her. Hannah was the victim of Penina's jealousy, but they were both the victim of broken values and cultural shame. They lived in an extremely patriarchal culture where a woman's value was based solely in their sexuality and motherhood. Because Hannah didn't have children, she was not valued in her society, and she had to share a husband with someone who was. I can't imagine what it was like to share a husband with someone else, always comparing yourself and never measuring up to them, being constantly reminded that you are not what you ought to be, that God has forgotten you and blessed your enemy. After one of these trips to Shiloh for the annual sacrifice, Hannah was desperate for a change in her situation, so she went to the temple to pray. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime, and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Hannah was desperate for a son, so she made a bargain with God. In her childlessness, she felt absolutely forgotten by God and rejected by her community. So she was willing to try anything to change her situation, even giving up a child. But in this prayer, you can tell that her desire isn't really to raise a son and enjoy motherhood because she bargains with God that if he gives her a son, that she would give him to the Lord. According to this arrangement, she wouldn't even raise the child, the temple priests would, and that doesn't seem to matter to her. She was desperate for a son so that she would feel valued and loved, not because she wanted to be a mother. What matters to her here is being loved and safe and to feel heard after years of suffering in silence. This is the first lesson we learn from Hannah. To be clear, I'm not saying we should bargain with God because that will almost always leave us disappointed. But when we worship, we should come to God and seek his presence when we feel burdened and lonely. We should ask for what we need and ask for God to show us his goodness. Hannah had let her community's opinions get the best of her and she valued what people thought of her way too much, but she still came to God and asked for him to end her suffering. She didn't run away from the God who had yet to bless her. She ran to him instead. Her prayer to God wasn't perfect, but prayers don't have to be perfect for God to hear them and care about them. While Hannah was in the temple, the high priest Eli heard her praying under her breath and accused her of drinking, which is not a very kind assumption to make. But soon he realized she was just upset and he joined her prayer saying, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Soon she became pregnant and had a son of her own. Her prayers were finally answered. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. God heard Hannah's prayer, and she honored God's faithfulness in her son's name. Hannah's story alone is so cool and teaches us about coming to God with vulnerability. But we don't just get to hear her story. We get to hear her song 
And that song shows us that there's so much more to this experience that she has gone through. So let's go through Hannah's song little by little. Then Hannah prayed, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. This song is a trumpet call for Hannah's victory. She is rejoicing with abandon. She knows that God has won this battle for her and she wants to praise him for it. God showed Hannah that he would fight for her. He raised her up from her low station and showed her how much he valued her. And he didn't just give her what she wanted, but what she really needed, which was a sign of love from her heavenly father. Through this answered prayer, she has a newfound confidence in God, and she wants to share her testimony in song because it's awesome and worth singing about. Hannah shows us a key part of worshiping well is to rejoice in God's love and faithfulness to us and express how it makes us feel. This song makes me think of the song Defender by King's Kaleidoscope that we sing here at church. Let's take a listen. joyful. The band has dozens of instruments, trumpets and bells and drums resounding in victory. The melody is sung in a strong chest voice that makes you feel the strength and encouragement that the singer feels. And the lyrics are similar to what Hannah sings about too. It sings, your precious truths deliver me from lies that wage a war in me. Your victory is mine for all my days. I love singing this song because it reminds me of the great joy we have in God's victory. It reminds us to be confident because we are loved by God. The next thing Hannah sings about is really cool. She realizes that this story of God's deliverance is not just about her and her family. It's about everybody. Through her own experience, she comes to see who God really is and what his plan is for the world. She sings, stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken, and those who stumbled are now strong. Those who were well-fed are now starving, and those who are starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children, and the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings down some to the grave, but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich, he brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, places them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's and he has set the world in order. 
In Hannah's worship, she praises God not just for what he's done, but for who he is. We see how God cares deeply for the people our world would like to forget about. He holds the powerful accountable and cares for the oppressed. He doesn't value esteem and wealth and personal victory the way our world does. Instead, God values humility and servanthood. He lifts, he loves the poor and he lifts them up. He gives honor to the shame and humbles the proud. Hannah understands that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Humans don't control the earth. God does because he created it. And not only is God the Lord of the earth, but his ways are so much better than ours. He is harmonious, he is just, he is vast and deep, he is personal, and at the same time way beyond our understanding. He is praiseworthy. Through Hannah's experiences, she has come to know God's character and rejoices at these truths in her worship. We too should sing about the truth of God's character. As we grow in our faith, we should not only rejoice in what God has done for us, but also praise him simply for who he is. Because singing songs of praise is a practice of love. It helps us to love God and become aligned with the way he sees the world. We're all pretty familiar with love songs. It's a part of the human experience to talk and sing about how beautiful things are. When we see beauty in the world and in each other, we have a natural desire to give it the credit it deserves. Even when we see a dog on a walk, we wanna say, oh, what a cute dog. And it feels wrong to not say something about how cute the dog is. I love singing love songs too, even though my life isn't particularly romantic. I love to sing about how wonderful God is and how much I love the things and the people he's created. One of my favorite songs of praise that we sing at church is Vapor by Gunger. Holy, the impossible and holy, kings become fools for you, kingdoms to ruins for you, vapor finds ground. of Hannah's song. It sings about how the world rises and falls like the waves of an ocean that is dancing to praise God. All of creation is a vapor that rises to sing a song of praise to its creator. Especially in this section of the song, the singers play with long crescendos so that when your voice gets louder and softer, you can feel like a wave in the ocean too. You can feel like your voice is rising like vapor as it goes up the scale. 
it's not just about the words we sing. It's about the music and the way it makes us feel like the words are real. The music in itself shows us the character of God and inspires praise. So through Hannah's song, we have learned to seek and rejoice and to praise. And in the last section, we will learn how to hope. At the end of Hannah's song, she sings about the future. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. As she is ending her song, Hannah looks to the future with a hopeful and eternal perspective. She knows that one day God will heal the brokenness of the world and bring his judgment upon it. And then she prophesies about how God will do this through his anointed king. Soon after this story, Israel asked God for a king of its own. The king would ultimately fail and be succeeded by King David, and both of these kings would be anointed by the prophet Samuel, Hannah's son. God promised King David that one of his ancestors would reign as king over all of the earth for all time. For centuries, all of Israel's kings would fail miserably, and Israel would fall. But eventually, the king and Hannah's prophecy would come, and that king was Jesus. He was a king who saw the, way, the world the way God does, because he was God incarnate. He was born in a stable, and by the world's standards, he lived an unimpressive life. He was lowly and humble at heart. He was just like Hannah's song described him. He was the complete opposite of what the world wanted him to be. And because of that, he was murdered by the people he came to save. But through his death, he took the punishment for the earth's sins. And on the third day, rose again, defeating death and sin, offering a new life to anyone who would follow him. Jesus is the one who brings the dead to life, like Hannah talks about in the song when she said, The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. I don't know how Hannah knew that Jesus would come, or if she understood what she was saying in her prophecy. But we know that God revealed to her a vision of hope for the future. We don't always know what will happen in the future, but we do have hope. Like Hannah, we can look to the future with assurance that God has a plan for our good. He will heal us and defend us. He will lead us and show us the way forward. He will answer our prayers in his own way and timing, and he will show his love constantly through all ages. And one day, we know that Jesus will come back again and finally make the world the way it should be. God's story of deliverance isn't just about Hannah. It's about the whole kingdom of God that was made possible through Jesus' sacrifice. The song that comes to mind when I think about this hope Hannah had in the Messiah is one of my favorite hymns called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.
someday we will rise above the racial strife, the choosing sides. I will abide in my heavenly home. actually a Christmas song. But that makes sense because most Christmas songs are about hope. Christmas songs talk about the feelings of joy when Jesus had first arrived and how everyone was so hopeful to see the things he would do. And that hope is still alive because Jesus is still alive. We have assured hope that he will be, that we will be with Jesus forever and he will make all things right. Our hope is in Jesus, and we don't just have to sing about it at Christmas time. We can sing about it all the time. Singing about hope is so important that we're going to have a message in this series where Dave will be teaching on the Song of Revelation and the hope that it gives us. I invite you to keep watching this series and continue the journey to meaningful worship with us as we learn about repentance and testimony and hope in the weeks to come. In Hannah's song, we see how a simple story about one woman's answered prayers turned out to be about something much bigger. One story of deliverance revealed the vast beauty of God's redemptive story. Through her experience, Hannah knows the beauty of God and is in awe of it. In other words, Hannah's song is a song of wonder. Wonder is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. It's the feeling when you've been cooped up inside your house all day, only to open your door to a beautiful sunset with hues of orange and pink that you have never seen before. It's the first sip of tea at the end of a long day. It's the sound of children laughing at a joke that makes no sense. It's the way Jesus brings the dead to life, making something beautiful out of our brokenness every day. It's God's beauty and character interwoven into nature and life, and it inspires awe in our hearts in a way that is only expressed in creating something beautiful in return. This is why the natural response to wonder is worship, because beauty inspires beauty. But we don't always have to wait to feel wonder to worship, because worship in and of itself is beautiful and moves us to wonder. Especially when we worship with our community, it reminds us that we're a part of a kingdom that is bigger than ourselves. When we worship together, we can share what God has taught us and see how he's working in the lives of everyone around us. And we can find strength in other people's worship when we don't have our own song to sing. Our individual voices are distinct and beautiful on their own, but when we sing together, something truly magical happens. In our singing, we give meaning and hope and joy to each other. Every person's voice matters and makes the song the beautiful thing that it is. 
I think we've all experienced this need to worship together recently because we couldn't do it during the pandemic. We worshiped alone for almost a year and it was terrible. It was a lonely and discouraging year for me and many others, and I'm really glad things are getting better. The first time I went to house church this spring, it was really emotional for me because I realized just how much I miss singing with my friends. Singing with them reminded me that I'm not alone. I'm part of the kingdom of God, and I'm a loved member of that kingdom. I could read the Bible every day and um, talk to my friends on Zoom every week and sing along with worship at home, but there was still something missing. Even though doing those things did help a lot, nothing made me feel loved and capable of loving, like praising God with my brothers and sisters in Christ. To me, it is the most joyful and comforting part of the human experience. Worshiping together is a precious gift given to us by God. It is His beauty made tangible and audible, and it's a divine way of loving our Creator as we learn how to love each other. So how can we experience this meaningful and intentional worship that Hannah sings about? Well, first of all, we need to just do it. Worship at home and at church often. Sing whenever you get the chance. Paul tells us in Ephesians to be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship doesn't always come naturally, and we don't always feel like doing it. But when worship feels difficult, it's helpful to think of it as a spiritual discipline, something we practice because it's good for us. It gives us an opportunity to seek and rejoice and praise and hope and wonder. You can also try to find ways to worship that are meaningful for the season you are in and fit your personality. Worship in ways that inspire you. Listen to worship songs written from scripture that remind you of God's truths that you need to meditate on. There are a lot of bands that turn psalms and scripture into modern music. You can just search psalms on Spotify and you can find so many great songs. You can also find music written by other Christians that you genuinely genuinely enjoy. Do you like pop or rock or folk music, polka? I bet there's someone else out there who loves that music just as much as you do and has made awesome worship music in that style. And if you can't find anything that you like, you can make your own songs and you can send them into the art club for other people to enjoy too. I also encourage you to get out of your musical comfort zone once in a while. Research other faith traditions and see if there is something new you wanna try. There are a million ways to worship and we can learn a lot from different cultures. I personally love listening to gospel music made by black artists because a lot of their songs are about justice and peace and loving your neighbors. This is something the mainstream American culture um, in Christian churches tends to ignore and not incorporate into worship, but I want it to be a part of my worship. I want to remember to fight for justice and pray for God's peace on earth. Also, gospel music is just so danceable and the vocals are really incredible. Of course I want to worship all the time when I'm listening to great music. And lastly, I encourage you to try something new this week. Today, when we worship together, try singing loudly or singing higher or lower or dancing to the music, clapping your hands. 
Try raising your hands or kneeling or whatever you feel like doing. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks because you are free to worship the way you want to. And maybe this week you can play that old guitar collecting dust in your garage or ask someone to teach you how to play an instrument or sing harmonies or sign up for dance lessons. Cook a meal, sew a dress, paint or sculpt or embroider some art that will help you to embrace wonder. What do you wish you had the time and creativity to do to cultivate wonder? Do that thing this week, even for just a little bit. Psalm 150 says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with a lyre and harp. Praise him with a tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. God has given us our breath, so let's use it to praise him. Let's stand taller and lift our voices louder. Let's clang our cymbals proudly and be our authentic selves in all of our joys and sorrows. Whether we are broken or healed, discouraged or joyful, alone or together, we are all invited into worshiping our Savior in one magnificent choir. Every voice matters and makes the song more beautiful. And God is in that choir with us, rejoicing over us with singing, encouraging us and showing his love to us through his beautiful voice. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of worship. We thank you for beautiful music that shows us your goodness and your beauty. We love to praise you, Lord, and we're so excited to do that together. Um, thank you for Hannah's song and all that she has to teach us. And I pray that we will continue to lean into your presence, to seek you and praise you um, in all that we do. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining the Damascus Road podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus together by being with God, loving everyone, transforming people, developing leaders, growing new ministries, and changing the world. You can find out more about us online at damascusroadtucson.com.